Welcome to All Axes, a podcast featuring original content on a wide range of subjects focusing on today's North American manufacturers. My name is Thielen Henderson, and I'll be your host. Today we're at Discover 2019 on Mazak's campus. Discover is the largest private manufacturing event in the industry and is featuring the latest developments in machine tool technology, CNC controls, software, automation, customer support, a first-hand look at our Mazak iSmart factory, and daily keynote speakers. Having just spoken to Discover about how to approach automation is Mike Chico, President and CEO at Fanuc America. A 20-year veteran of Fanuc, Mike has overseen departments ranging from material handling to domestic automotive sales prior to becoming Fanuc America Corporation's president in 2016. Since receiving his Bachelor's of Science in Electrical Engineering in 1998, he has focused his professional career on automation and now leads one of the foremost providers of factory automation solutions in the country. Well, first off, Mike, uh, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. I appreciate it. So, uh, first, a question I've been asking people. What do you love about manufacturing? That's, that's a really interesting question. Um, you know the TV show, How It's Made? It's, yeah. It's really, when I was a kid, uh, watching things and, and to figure out how they got made, to see how uh, devices get put together, to see how products get manufactured. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that, that's what got me going about manufacturing, and so what continues... What, what continues my passion about manufacturing is really just digging into all different industries and seeing it. how things get made. I had a book called How It Works growing up, and it was the same principle. It's right. just those things in green in you, and then they just kind of stay with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's fun. Is, is uh, manufacturing a family industry for you, or did you? Nope, uh, nope. Uh, it came from a family of doctors, actually. My dad okay. wanted me to be a doctor, and I uh, liked, liked engineering more than I liked science, so uh, <laughs> diverted from the family traits. A little more, little more practical. Right, sometimes. right. Uh, all right. So... Obviously, we're here today to discuss automation. And the first myth that I, I come across that I think I, I'd be interested to hear your response to is that uh, robots kill jobs. Have you found that to be the case, or, or, or do they create jobs, or what's your experience? Been? It's easy for people to think that robots kill jobs because you can, uh, when you look at where a robot gets placed, when you automate, especially a machine tool, uh, certainly in the past, there was a person in front of that machine tool, and when you automate it, you take that person away from the machine and you put a robot in front of it. And so that's an, it's an easy thing to think about, that right. that robot replaced that job. Of course. Um, however, what actually happens in manufacturing is, is things are just, the, the, the way we manufacture things are changing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in the future, and, and not really, right now, it's been happening for a long time, but... You, you can't afford to have one person standing in front of each machine all day long. It's, so it's, it is changing. But that doesn't mean they kill jobs. So in, if you have 10 machines, you used to have 10 people. Right. Um, sure, today you might only have, say, three people mm -hmm. tending those machines. Right. But maybe you need an extra five people that are going to, because you're making so many more parts because it's automated and the efficiency is up, you might need th three extra people that are gauging. You might need right. two extra people that are programming the robots. You might need now five extra people that are doing maintenance because you need more machines. And so it's not that the robots are replacing jobs. It's just changing the way what the jobs actually are. Letting you make a better use of your human resources. Exactly. Anything else. Yep. Interesting. Now, what advice would you give to a job shop owner or a small shop owner who feels he has a hard enough time hiring a, 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 a machine operator, let alone someone who's capable of handling a, a new robot system that could, be seem, that could seem intimidating? Mm -hmm. We were just going through a, an example like this where if a job shop has, say, a couple trained machinists 
and they want to get into uh, automation, mm -hmm. one of the best places to go is into the trade schools. Yeah. Um, we have over, um, we, ha we, we are working currently with over a thousand different schools in North and South America where we have actual automation in the schools teaching kids or stu teaching students um, real manufacturing skills. And so as a job shop owner, uh, we can see that it say you have two uh, full-time machinists yeah. and you're looking to grow uh, bringing on somebody from one of these trade schools that has a, a, a knowledge about automation right. you can then cross train in your facility where you can have your your well-trained machinist train uh, the new employee about uh, the machining traits and you can have the new employee that knows about automation manufacturing uh, teach some of the machinists about that and have a very nice diverse workforce sharing some of that tribal knowledge and almost kind of a conversational apprenticeship from an older generation while the new generation comes on and is less intimidated by some of the new technology might absolutely be able to help. We, we are currently educating the the next generation of manufacturing workforce we estimate just with our technology just with our products we're touching over 80,000 students wow. every year um, that are touching uh, real manufacturing technology at, in, in the schooling level. So most automations I've seen follow the same path. Uh, someone's come up with a concept, they've designed it, they've um, purchased the different elements necessary for it and integrated it, uh, and it's yielded some great results, but it tends to be uh, bespoke and custom made. How difficult is it for uh, a job shop that has a job that they've automated go away to repurpose a robot? Mm -hmm. That's so. As time has gone on, when when automation first started, you're right. Each each application was a little bit more um, custom to the to the proper job. As time has gone on, we've realized that uh, not only do we want to repurpose the robots, but we want to we want to get into markets where people are changing out their opportunities really on a daily basis. Where today you're machining one part, and tomorrow you might be be machining something totally different. Right. And so that has driven people to think up um, more flexible ways to automate right off the beginning. Mm -hmm. So instead of thinking about it like I'm going to use my robot and then repurpose it, the robot itself is flexible enough to handle different parts, even on a daily basis. Where in the morning shift it can be um, handling three inch billets on their lathe and then by the afternoon it can be handling six inch billets um, doing something completely different and so you're continually repurposing it um, because oh, the actual cell uh, is flexible from the beginning so instead of taking a look and asking is this job enough to justify automation taking a step back and going what are the processes or what are the opportunities I have to automate as a whole instead of trying to justify it across a single uh, effort right you can really actually even look at your machine and say I have this machine with this chuck size and so it can handle this many parts so I need a piece of automation that can handle that same amount of flexibility um, and now my machine and my automation are paired together properly where they're both flexible enough to handle an infinite number of, uh, of parts uh, for, the, for the overall cell. Huh. Interesting. Now, if you're a small shop and you're a little intimidated by automation, but you're interested because you want to stay competitive, how would you get started? One of the first ways would be is to talk to your machine tool distributor or talk to, the, to, to Mazak uh, directly. So depending on uh, who you're talking to from a machining standpoint, you can start right there from the machine. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the folks at Mazak and the distributors that they work with uh, know who the right people are, whether it's someone from Mazak Direct that might be able to provide the automation or working with a local systems integrator. Um, that's generally how things start. 
Uh, that, that would be a lot if, if you're trying to purchase a new machine and you want to automate a new machine. Um, if you have existing equipment that you want to automate existing equipment, uh, you can then again start with, say, your, your distributor, your local distributor, and try and find some local companies in the area that could help you get into automation. But just getting started by, by reaching out to your trusted resources. Correct. There's enough knowledge base out there that most, can, most people can help. Absolutely, yeah. Our business is a, consult, is a consultation type business. You, right. We, we want to listen to problems. We want to hear what your challenges are, and we're going to try and fix them. Um, and working tightly with the machine tool community, which we do, uh, we tend to get those opportunities and work tightly back with the MTBs, the machine tool builders, to um, you know to penetrate the market with new robots. All right. So here's something I'm seeing more and more of, and that's that uh, shops are putting a real premium on their floor space above all else. Is and when it comes to integrating automation, they can be hesitant about that just by it's because it's committing to floor space. What advice would you have to shops that don't want to give up just the square footage because they're landlocked or they're trying to do the most they can under one roof? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, too. Uh, we, we certainly understand that um, some level of automation takes up more space than a person does. As a person's infinitely movable. They're always uh, mobile. But what's been happening in the industry is as people maybe have a view of robots and automation from a long time ago, from the 80s and 90s, where uh, a robot is thought of in a gigantic cage that takes up the whole front of the machine and you know consumes a tremendous amount of floor space. Right. And that's really, with the way the safety technology is today, that's really not how it is in practice. Um, there, are, there are easy sensors that you can put on the automation that sense... Uh, when people are around, mm-hmm. and so the robot would slow down and then stop if you got too close. So that eliminates the need to put big fences around the whole thing. And so really, in the end, uh, the, the automation itself takes up about the, the space that a person would take up. And now people more and more are adding mobility to that, too, so that mm-hmm. you can actually physically take the automation and, and actually move it to other parts of the plant um, to really free up the floor space if you really need to. Interesting. How do you know what to automate? Um, that's, a, that's, well, that's, a, that's a deep one. <laughs> it's a big question, I know. Right, but right. Uh, if, um, if you're looking around your shop and you're ready to start taking the leap, right? So looking what, at, what's so, your low-hanging fruit? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Trying to get into you, what's your low-hanging fruit? So um, certainly things that um, start generally in one shape and end generally in the same shape. So a lot of people, <laughs> the the, the automating a a lathe tends to be one of the easier things to do because you start with things that are generally circle and you end with things that are generally circle okay and that helps the robot because it it doesn't need to deal with a whole lot of variation same end of arm tooling roughly the same center exactly so the robot's easy to program because you're always reaching into the same part of the machine start grabbing a circle you're you're grabbing a circle and then the circle just happens to get a little bit smaller by the time you're done um so lathes tend to be the most e- the easiest machine to okay. automate. Um, but that being said, another thing is, is say you had uh, things on a fixture. So now you're, if you're if you're somehow pallet using pallets mm-hmm. um, within your process, that also is a nice low hanging fruit because uh, you can have infinite variations on the pallet, but the robot really only has to handle um, something that's very common every time, like the actual pallet itself. So it's small pallets or big right. pallets. Because um, robots can handle really heavy parts, so that tends to be some of the low-hanging fruit. Getting into lathes, getting into things that are that are fixtured or palletized mm-hmm. in some way, so the robot handles something that's common. 
Um, Another thing that could be low-hanging is just things that are very dangerous in your factory. So dangerous meaning parts that are sharp, parts that uh, are they, that, that can that are too heavy that people are getting injured with, or parts that have really fast cycle times where the repetitive motion of the uh, of the machining time is is just is just bad for a person to do. So those are other areas that are pretty easy low hanging fruit. But I don't know, it's maybe maybe too much to ask, but I could say that lots everything can be automated. So maybe there's <laughs> everything's a low hanging fruit. That that's the goal, right? <laughs> Mike, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for listening to All Axes with our guest Mike Chico as part of the Mazak TV Network. Be sure to subscribe to All Axes on your favorite podcast app for all future episodes. 